You are listening to The Ace, Alex Cardinal Entertainment Network, with your host, the crazy Alex Cardinal from Springfield, Massachusetts. You can expect the unexpected on The Ace Network. Now, on to today's show. You are listening to Aquatic Wetline Live from Ace Network. The Aquatic Wetline is the first and original aquarium-keeping podcast that specifically focuses on freshwater fish, and it will continue to focus on freshwater fish. The Aquatic Wetline will discuss everything freshwater from Oscar cichlids and other South and Central America cichlids to catfish, tetras, barbs, and more. Plus, we will also chat saltwater and reptiles. You can expect nothing but the best on Aquatic Wetline. Now let's dive deep into the fish tank and see what our fishy friends have to say tonight. Now, from Ace Network Studios, here is your host, the monster fish lover himself, Oscar Alex Cardinelli. The Aquatic Wetline is brought to you by Akari Sales USA, School of Fish, Inc., Fish Frenzy Tropical Fish, and Blue View Aquatics. Don't forget to head to your local fish store or pet shop to pick up some Hikari products, such as our famous Hikari BioPure Frozen Foods, which include delicious treats such as bloodworms, mysis shrimp, brine shrimp, and more. If you live in Western Massachusetts, be sure to stop by School of Fish, Inc. and Fish Frenzy Tropical Fish for the finest quality in freshwater and saltwater livestock, fish tanks, and more. Now, let's get on with the podcast. Remember, you can download today's podcast via iTunes or by simply going to blogtalkradio.com forward slash aquaalex. Now, Aqua Alex, take it away. Aquatic Wetline right here on the ACE Network. How are you guys doing tonight? I hope all my listeners out there are having an awesome start to their week. And thank you, fish keepers, for tuning in to today's episode of the Aquatic Wetline on the ACE Network. I'm your host, Aqua Alex Cardinelli, and I got a fantastic show coming your way tonight. Now, tonight, I am going to be doing my second episode of Tropical Fish Tuesday, Freshwater Mania. And tonight, I'm going to be talking about some of my personal favorite fish species as well. I have a couple of wonderful topics that I'm going to be talking about tonight as well. So, I've got a lot to discuss on this phenomenal episode of the Aquatic Wetline right here on the ACE Network. Now today, I'm going to be chatting about some of my favorite fish, and some of the fish that I am going to mention tonight will be the L128 Blue Phantom Plecos, 
will be the L200 Green Phantom Plecos, will be the Freshwater Angelfish. I'll also be discussing the Lima Shovelnose Catfish, Firemouth Cichlids, Convict Cichlids, Geophagus Chirapara, and much more. Now, my topic for tonight, I'm going to discuss my thoughts on the freshwater planted aquariums. I'll discuss my thoughts on driftwood. I'll discuss my thoughts on aquarium biotopes made famous by my good friend, Mr. Sam Garcia, Jr. And I got a special surprise from my fish-keeping listeners out there. I recently asked Aquion to be a guest on my show, but Aquion is too busy to make a guest appearance on the show. However, I sent them a bunch of questions, and they took the time out of their busy day to answer my questions. And tonight, I'm going to answer the questions that I sent to Aquion. So for those of you who don't know about Aquion or you don't know much about Aquion, I am going to answer the Aquion questions right here tonight on this episode of Tropical Fish Tuesday, Freshwater Mania Part 2. All right. You guys know me. You guys know that I love the Aquion Quiet Flow filter, and there's going to be a good reason why I love that filter, and that answer that the person gave me fits the Aquion filters to a T, and I will explain that when I answer all of the Aquion questions. So you can see that I have a lot of great fishy topics planned for tonight's fish show. You know, I think all these fish-keeping shows on Blog Talk Radio are great to listen to. I have a couple of friends that have their own fish-keeping show here on Blog Talk Radio. And then I got my own fish show here on Blog Talk Radio. And I think it's an honor and a privilege and a great opportunity for us fish keepers to come on here and talk about fish. I love doing it. It's a lot, a lot of fun for me, and I hope that you, the listeners, have fun hearing me chat about fish because there is nothing else in this world that I love more than tropical fish, and I hope you guys enjoy that. All right. So I'm going to give you the opportunity tonight to have some fun and talk about tropical fish. Yes, that's right. You, the live listeners, can come call in and chat tropical fish with Aqua Alex. Okay? Now, would you like to talk about your favorite tropical fish? All you have to do is call in live at 1-347-989-8142. That number again to call in tonight is 1-347-989-8142. You can call in tonight to talk about your favorite tropical fish, or you can call in and ask me some tropical fish questions, and I will be honored to speak with you. This show is broadcast live, and I love getting callers. So go ahead and call in. Don't be shy. Call in and tell me your favorite tropical fish. Maybe I might keep your favorite tropical fish, or maybe I've kept your favorite tropical fish in the past. How would I know? You have to call in and let me know. That's one three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two. And if you're listening to the archive version of today's episode, you can always tweet me at 
Alice Cardinelli one on Twitter with your favorite tropical fish. I will then follow you on Twitter and I will reshare your tweet. So you're gonna get the better part of the deal if you tweet to me if you're listening to the archive version because I'll tweet you my thoughts on your favorite fish and I'll also reshare your tweet and I will follow you. So one way or another, I'm hoping to get some interaction from all of our listeners tonight. Um, If you have questions and you can't call in or you don't have a Twitter account, you may email me any questions at my brand new personal Ace Network email, and that is alicecardinelli93 at gmail.com. So if you have any tropical fish questions that you want me to answer, please email email alicecardinelli93 at gmail.com, and I'll answer them on next Tuesday's Freshwater Mania show. All right. Ten minutes into this thing, so let's go ahead and get started. All right, so I'll start talking about some of my personal favorite fish. Now, the first fish I'm going to talk about is the L128 Blue Phantom Pleco, one of my personal favorite plecos of all time, the L128 Blue Phantom Pleco. Now, the Blue Phantom Pleco has earned my respect for many reasons. Before I owned my two Blue Phantom Plecos, I did not think that they were nice looking. I always thought that the Green Phantom Pleco was a lot nicer than the Blue Phantom Pleco, but boy was I wrong, because my two Blue Phantom Plecos that I own right now look stunning. A nice dark blue hue coloration. They are a beautiful pleco. Now, I was very fortunate to find some blue phantom plecos in my area. I actually went to a small chain pet store called Dave's Pet Food City in Agawam, Massachusetts, and they had two blue phantom plecos for $39.99 each. That was a great deal because School of Fish, Inc. had one Blue Phantom Pleco, smaller size, for $70. So basically, I saved more than half of that money by going to Dave's Pet Food City, and I bought two Blue Phantom Plecos for just $10 more um, than School of Fish. I got two Blue Phantom Plecos at four inches each for $80, and at School of Fish, Inc., it was one three-and-a-half-inch Blue Phantom Pleco for $70. But think of that, guys. I got two four-inches at $39 each, and total was, what, 80-something. And then at School of Fish, there was a four-inch one for $70. Not sure why there was a huge price difference. Maybe um, when School of Fish bought them in, they were out of season. Maybe when Dave's brought them in, they were in season, and they can give you a nice price break. Or maybe Dave's didn't want the fancy pleco sitting around too long. Nonetheless, I am very happy to find two beautiful blue phantom plecos. And i got to tell you, my blue phantom plecos have some phenomenal coloration. They got the best coloration I've ever seen on a blue phantom pleco. i got one right now. 
It's about four and a half inches, and the other one's about four, but they're very nice looking. So, yes, I really do like my Blue Phantom Plecos. Now, I'm going to tell you why I love Blue Phantom Plecos. Here is what I love about my Blue Phantom Plecos. As I mentioned before, I love the Blue Phantom Plecos coloration. It's got that nice light blue coloration, almost like a little aquatic blue color, um, I guess you can say, but the Blue Phantom Pleco definitely has great coloration. So if you're someone that is into the freshwater hobby and you love fish that have colors and you like Plecos, then I personally think the Blue Phantom Plecos offer a ton of coloration for you. The next thing I like about Blue Phantom Plecos is their ease of care. Ladies and gentlemen, the Blue Phantom Pleco is one of the easiest, fancier varieties of Plecos to care for. They are not sensitive like many other of your fancier Plecos out there. They're not going to die from too much of a water change, or they're not going to die if your water goes bad. They will get sick, but they won't die. They're a very hardy Pleco. But what I'm saying is you still need to take care of your water and take care of your pleco, but they are a very hardy pleco, and I personally, without a doubt, love the blue phantom pleco because they are a very hardy species of pleco. All right. Now, I did research online, and people were telling me that blue phantom plecos are more sensitive than uh, green phantom pleco, and that blue phantom plecos should be avoided by first-time fancy pleco owners. But I tend to disagree with that now because these blue phantom plecos are like my second pleco that I had at the fancy pleco. I had a green phantom pleco before, and I didn't quarantine it, and it had parasites, and it passed away. Um, but these ones are very nice. I, I quarantined them, and they're eating a lot of food. They're eating shrimp pellets. They're eating leftover curry pellets. They get cucumber, zucchini. They eat a lot. They are good fish. They eat almost anything, and they love hiding in my driftwood and hanging on to my driftwood. And I personally think that the Blue Phantom Pleco is the best Pleco I've ever owned. I've had Gibby Plecos, I've had Common Plecos, I've had a Green Phantom Pleco, but I personally think that the Blue Phantom Pleco are the best Plecos that I've ever owned, okay? Now, speaking of feeding, the Blue Phantom Pleco will eat anything. They are very easy to feed. Yes, that's right. A blue phantom pleco is omnivorous, which means that they'll eat meat and they'll eat veggies. So they're like humans. They're not, they're not going to be picky eaters. All right? That's one thing I love about the blue phantom pleco, because unlike most species of plecos where you have to worry about them getting algae and vegetables, uh, with the blue phantom pleco, they're going to eat things like shrimp pellets, they're going to eat things like akari pellets, uneaten cichlid sticks, and any food that falls to the bottom, more than likely your blue phantom pleco is going to eat. And they're very stunning looking. Um, I like the blue phantom pleco. And, matter of fact, they will also eat vegetables. I put in some fresh zucchini, fresh cucumbers, 
uh, fresh tomatoes sometime and fresh lettuce for my common customers. But I noticed that my blue phantom pleckos also eat that as well. So blue phantom pleckos are not difficult to feed whatsoever. And basically, with that being said, I actually don't look at a blue phantom pleco as a true Pocostomus. I think that the blue phantom pleco would fit under the category of a South American armored catfish, if that makes sense to you. But that's just my theory. So you can laugh at it, or you can like it, or you can hate it, whatever you want to do. But that's just my theory. Now, take mates for the blue phantom pleco. Anything that lives in freshwater. And yes, I mean that anything that lives in freshwater can live with the blue phantom pleco. You can have Oscars with them. You can have severance with them, larger tropical fish with them. You can have your community fish with them, like your smaller tetras, your guppies, your platies, your mollies, your barbs, whatever. Or they can go on a tank with cichlids. I personally would recommend sticking with the South American cichlids and the Central American cichlids because the blue phantom pleco comes from South America and they prefer a pH that is neutral around 6.8, 7.4. But that being said, a blue phantom pleco is a pleco and they can adapt to living in African cichlid water. I know a lot of people out there that actually have green phantom plecos and blue phantom plecos in an African cichlid tank. Um, generally, there is mixed results with people adding the phantom plecos into an African cichlid tank. I have heard horror stories of a phantom pleco dying all of a sudden because of the high pH range, and I personally think that they cannot tolerate higher pHs than they would naturally. So it's a risk and reward kind of thing. Um, you could risk it and maybe get a reward, or you can risk it and lose a $40 to $80 pleco, which is something that I definitely would not want to do because money does not grow on trees. And it's too, it's too good of a fish to waste in my personal opinion. But then again, I have seen people have success keeping blue phantom plecos and green phantom plecos in an African cichlid tank. I guess they probably did a very long acclimation process. They got the pleco used to the high pH by slow dripping them into it. They used the slow dripping acclimation, which is something I would definitely recommend if you were considering keeping blue phantom plecos in an African cichlid tank. All right. Now I'm going to ask the question. I know a lot of my listeners are going to email me, and that is, would I recommend you get blue phantom plecos? Well, based on what I just said, hell yeah, I recommend you get blue phantom plecos because if you're looking for a nice pleco that does not get huge like a common pleco, a blue phantom pleco is only going to reach about maybe six or seven inches, um, and it can live quite well in a tank size of 55 gallons. Um, I would recommend you get a blue phantom pleco. They're very, very nice. I personally love them. Okay? Now, another question I know you guys are going to ask me about the blue phantom pleco is, can a beginner have blue phantom plecos? 
Yes, I think so. I personally am under the belief that beginners can have blue phantom plecos. However, a beginner must realize that with a blue phantom pleco, they are not going to touch allergy. Yes, that's right. A blue phantom pleco will not touch allergy. All right, they may glaze on it um, or graze on it, but it should not be their diet. All right, they need to have both meat and vegetables in their diet. So if you are a beginner and you want to get a blue phantom pleco, you must realize that fact, that you have to feed your blue phantom pleco some pellets. I recommend feeding shrimp pellets. I recommend feeding Hakari pellets. Um, you can even feed bloodworms. My blue phantom plecos love bloodworms. And um, I've, I know a lot of people who keep these things feed bloodworms to their blue phantom plecos. But, yes, a beginner could have a blue phantom pleco if they recognize that fact. And, yes, it is true that blue phantom plecos will require driftwood to feel safe and secure in your aquarium. My two blue phantom plecos love driftwood, so make sure that you get driftwood for your blue phantom pleco. And by the way, that blue phantom pleco you see on this driftwood in today's slideshow is mine, Aqua Alex's blue phantom pleco. So what do you guys think of my blue phantom pleco? Isn't he, isn't he stunning looking? I only got him for $39 at Days Pet Food City in Agawam, Massachusetts. All right, so that is my topic for uh, Blue Phantom Plecos. That's my discussion for the Blue Phantom Plecos. Shall you have any questions on the Blue Phantom Plecos? Please go ahead and call in at 1-347-989-8142, and I will gladly answer your questions on Blue Phantom Plecos. All right. Switching gears to another South American catfish that I'm going to talk about. And this one is one of my personal favorite mini monsters. I call this a mini monster because it's not going to get huge like a red-tailed catfish or a tiger shovel-nosed catfish or an Oxidorus niger catfish. But it gets big enough to be a monster, in my opinion. And what I'm talking about, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, is the Lima Shovelnose Catfish. Now, as a fish keeper, I've had the utmost honor of keeping several Lima Shovelnose Catfishes before. I love the Lima Shovelnose Catfish. They're a very beautiful catfish. They kind of remind me of a hockey stick, and they've got that beautiful appearance to them. Now, a Lima Shovelnose catfish is going to grow anywhere from 12 to 14 inches in length, and I think a Lima Shovelnose catfish could be kept in a 75-gallon aquarium, working its way up to a 220-gallon aquarium. Now, I personally am looking to get a Lima Shovelnose catfish for me. Yes, that's right. I'm looking at getting a Lima Shovelnose catfish, but first I have to reduce my stock levels in my aquarium. That's why I'm rehoming some fish right now so that I can buy a Lima Shovelnose catfish. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to make a personal vow with you. When I get a Lima Shovelnose catfish, I'm going to keep these suckers for life. I'm going to get one of them. I love the Lima Shovelnose catfish. All right. Now, 
they get big enough to be considered a monster, but not too big. All right, 12 to 14 inches max, and I can have one for life in a 120-gallon aquarium with my Oscars, my Red Oak Silver Dollars, my Black Bar Silver Dollars, my Severum, and my Chocolate Cichlid. So if you have a nice South American Cichlid tank like I have, I think that the uh, Lima Shovelnose Catfish could be for you. And Lima Shovelnose will do fine with larger angelfish and larger discus, in my personal opinion. Now, my good friend Jeff had one bad experience with Lima Shovelnose. My co-host, Fishkeeper Jeff, had a bad experience with Lima Shovelnose. This is the first time I ever heard of something like this. But he bought a Lima Shovelnose for his Oscar cichlid tank, and he told me that the Lima Shovelnose was a very aggressive catfish that attacked his Oscars and that attacked his other tank mates. And I never, ever had that experience with Lima Shovelnose catfish. I've kept Lima Shovelnose catfish for about... I don't know, I've kept like four or five of them. I don't know how many years i kept them, but I've had four or five of them. And I never, ever had an aggressive fish. So to that, I say it all depends on the individual catfish, but a majority of them are very peaceful. Now, you're probably going to ask yourselves, why does Aqua Alex love the Lima Shovelnose catfish so darn much? It's just a catfish, but I am a big catfish lover. So here is what I love about the Lima Shovelnose catfish. I love their size. They only get 12 to 14 inches, which means they can be kept by mostly anyone in this aquarium hobby that has a 75-gallon or bigger. I love their ease of care. The Lima Shovelnose catfish is very simple to take care of. All you really need is a big aquarium, in my big aquarium, like I said earlier, I mean a 75-gallon aquarium up to a 220-gallon aquarium. And you need neutral pH, 6.8, 7.4, and a good diet. The Lima Shovelnose catfish will eat meat. They're meat eaters. So you can feed your Lima Shovelnose catfish market shrimp, bloodworms, pellets, worms, things of that nature. A Lima Shovelnose, like its cousin, the Tiger Shovelnose, will eat almost anything. And like the Tiger Shovelnose, the Lima Shovelnose will eat until its belly is huge. All right? And I really don't recommend that because your catfish is going to get full and it won't be able to swim normally, and that could lead to bloat. So I recommend feeding your Lima Shovelnose catfish in small feedings. I do two or three small feedings, and I'm going to do two or three small feedings when I eventually get my Lima Shovelnose catfish. And uh, School of Fish is going to be bringing in a Lima Shovelnose catfish for me in a couple weeks, and I definitely can't wait for that. Now, you can feed them anything. They'll even eat uh, live feeder fish, but like I said, I definitely don't recommend feeding feeder fish because they will deliver parasites and ick to your fish and make your fish very sick. Plus, they're all fat. There's no benefits to feeding goldfish. If you are a fan of feeding live fish, 
to your catfish, I would recommend using things like guppies and small tetras. They uh, they have a more they add some more um, protein because you feed those things. I definitely recommend breeding your own feeder fish. That way you can reduce by half, reduce by half the amount of parasites that might go into your fish. You can't really remove that whole percentage of parasites because fish are fish and some fish have parasites. But by breeding your own feeders, you are reducing that risk significantly. Okay? Now, if you go out to the fish store and buy feeders and you fit into your lima shovel of catfish and it gets ick or it gets parasites, the aquatic wet line and aqua alex is not liable because I told you I don't support feeding feeder fish. Okay? All right. Now, the next thing about a lima shovel nose catfish is that it will fit perfectly in an Oscar cichlid tank or a monster fish tank. That's right. A lima shovel nose will do well with your Oscars and your larger tropical fish. You can keep lima shovel noses with anything that is too big to be eaten. All right, so good tank mates for the lima shaman catfish would include things like silver dollars, tinfoil barbs, Oscar cichlids, Jack Dempsey's, larger South and Central American cichlids, and datinoids and other catfish. Really, the lima shaman can live with anything. And as I mentioned, the lima shaman could do well with larger angelfish and larger discus. Now, a lima shovel can be kept for life, unlike other monster catfish, like the red-tailed cat, like the tiger shovel and like the Oxidorus niger. Sooner or later, you are going to have to go home a tiger shovel or a red-tailed cat or any large catfish. But with a lima shovel you are able to keep them for life. Now, I like their appearance. Like I said earlier, I like how the Lama Shrovenos looks like. It has a hockey stick appearance to you. All right, very, very cool catfish. Our Lama Shrovenos catfish, very rare. I just got an email from fishman101 at gmail.com. No, Fishman101, Lima Shovenos catfish should not be very rare. Unless you're living in a very small town that only has Peco or PetSmart, you'll probably be able to buy a Lima Shovenos catfish from your tropical fish store. If your tropical fish store does not carry Lima Shovenos, I'm pretty sure they'll be able to special order a Lima Shovenos catfish for you. Now, let's talk about pricing for the Lima Shovenos catfish. Now, over my years of being a fish keeper, I've seen prices of Lima Shovenos catfish vary. A couple of years ago, a three or four inch Lima Shovenos would be anywhere from 15 to 20 dollars. And a bigger Lima Shovenos, like five years ago, would be anywhere from 40 to 50 dollars. Now, in 2015, at my local fish stores, I've noticed with Lima Shovel Noses, three to four inch ones are going about $30 now. And anything bigger is usually about $40 to $50. So I'm going to say the price you're going to pay 
for a vinyl shelf catfish, depending on availability in your area, seasonal availability, and uh, how much your fish store charges. I'm going to say the prices for Lima Shovel Catfish will be anywhere from $25 to about $60. And that's depending on size and how they got them in. Um, if you find a really big, cheap Lima Shovel like say there's like a 7-inch Lima Shovel at your fish store, and they're only asking like 15 or $20, that means that that was a trade-in Lima Shovel but if they have a big 7 to 12-inch Lima Shovel and they want like $50 for it, that means they had to special order that big fish from a wholesaler. And a lot of the tropical fish wholesalers usually don't like selling big fish. And when they do sell big fish, they have to charge a lot of shipping to the fish store. And that's why the fish stores have to charge a lot for some of the big fish they get from their wholesalers. So that's why I'm explaining to you the difference of larger tropical fish. And the reason I say that is because I was in my fish store the other day and they had a tank with one 10-inch albino Oscar for $10, and that was a trade-in albino tiger Oscar. And then, in like four tanks away from it, in a 125, there were some large regular tiger Oscars and large red Oscars that were $29.99, and the fish store worker explained to me that those were ordered from a fish uh, from a fish wholesaler, and uh, they had the, the owners charging that much because of the shipping. So I figured I'd share that wonderful information uh, with you guys. You guys can uh, benefit from that wonderful information. All right, so I had fun talking about my first two fish for this evening. Now let's switch gears and go to my first topic for the evening. Now my first topic for the evening is my thoughts on freshwater planted aquariums. My God, freshwater planted aquariums are beautiful. I have never personally been able to keep a freshwater planted aquarium. Wait a minute, let me let me refresh that for you guys. I have never personally kept a freshwater planted aquarium. Now, I have been tempted, but I never ever went to because I think that the fresh the freshwater planted aquariums they seem to be very expensive to me, and I'm never one that I'm not one that loves plants, but aquatic plants, yeah, I'm interested because I love anything that's aquatic. So I have been debating because I can have one more tank, and I'm debating on if I should do a freshwater planted aquarium, small tank, maybe a ten or twenty gallon tank, with some uh, beautiful neon tetras and some beautiful Rominos tetras and uh, maybe a nice little small schooling fish. And, yes, Alex is going softy. I'm going to be keeping some small fish. So you guys have proof that I don't like the, that I – you guys have proof that I dislike the small fish because I truth says I love all fish. But I've been debating getting a 10- or 20-gallon aquarium and keeping plants and some of uh, the planted material and uh, keeping a nice small schooling fish, or getting a 75-gallon aquarium and going discus, or maybe a 40-gallon breeder and going saltwater. So I've got a lot of research to do, 
but I can't wait. Or I could even do like a 75-gallon discus aquarium with live plants. That would be pretty stunning. And a discus would actually benefit from the live plants, in my personal opinion. Now, my thoughts on the freshwater planted aquariums is they are very gorgeous. They look beautiful. I have seen plenty of planted aquariums on YouTube, on the Facebook fish groups, and on the Facebook fish forums, and on the fish forums, but I have never, ever had the privilege of seeing a freshwater planted aquarium in real life. I've seen a planted display tank at School of Fish, but I've never seen a hobbyist planted aquarium. And hopefully someday I will be able to enjoy a hobbyist planted aquarium, whether that's my own or somebody else that I know that remains to be seen. But one thing for sure is I have a lot of respect for the planted aquarium. Now, a lot of people have been asking me, Aqua Alex, when are you going to do a show on planted tanks? The truth is, I know jack crap about planted aquariums. That's a sad truth. I know nothing about planted aquariums, and I definitely don't want to come on here talking about planted aquariums when I know crap, because you guys are going to tell that I know crap. I can't be making up crap on the air that I don't even know. It'll be stupid. But I will promise you this. If I can find a planted aquarium guest, you can bet your asses I will have a series on planted aquariums for you. I just have to find a great guest who is willing to teach us plants from the beginning as a beginner to now. But I will promise you at some point, whether it's this year or next year, the Aquatic Wetline will have a planted series. Okay? I will promise you that. Now, in the meantime, if you're looking for some wonderful planted aquarium advice, there is one channel on YouTube that I really love, and that is called Mass Aquariums. Mass Aquariums is the channel to go to. Yes, that's right. Mass Aquariums has some wonderful planted aquarium videos, and he has some wonderful planted aquarium information. That's where I learned about planted aquariums, was from Mike from Mass Aquariums on YouTube. So if you've never seen his channel before, go check him out. Mass Aquariums on YouTube. I personally recommend it. You are listening live to the Aquatic Wetline Radio Show, hosted by a fish keeper for fish keepers. What's swimming in the tank today? What tropical fish are we talking about today? Let's dive into the fish tank and find out. Feel free to call in at 347-989-8142 with any questions or comments about tropical fish or the topic for today. We'll see you right now here on the Aquatic Wetline. Enjoy the show. Tuned in live to the Aquatic Wetline. Don't be a scared little guppy and call in at 1-347-989-8142 for all your fish keeping needs. Okay, so what a great start to our show. All right, so let's get back to me talking about some of my personal favorite fish. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and talk about my next favorite fish. And that is 
the angelfish. You know, I can never stay away from the freshwater angelfish. I love them. Um, I don't know what it is about the angelfish, but I definitely, for sizzle, love the angelfish. Now, I have to say, my personal favorite angelfish is definitely the marble angelfish. The marble angelfish. The marble angel is pretty nice looking. I also love the koi angelfish. Very nice. Now, I've had the honor and the privilege of keeping some wild caught scalar angels before. And I gotta tell you that those angels are very nice looking. If you ever have the opportunity to get some wild caught scalar angels from Peru, Venezuela, or Brazil, I would like to recommend to you, get them. All right? The Wild Coscular Angels are a lot hardier to keep than the Autumn Angels are. The Autumn Angels are very rare, and with them being very rare, they are very sensitive. Now, one topic I would like to talk about tonight about the angelfish is, folks, let's not forget that an angelfish is a cichlid. So, with that being said, an angelfish may be a little territorial and aggressive to tank mates. They will defend themselves, all right? They will defend themselves if they feel the need to. They get really aggressive during breeding. They are a cichlid. Always keep that in mind. I see people posting on Facebook fish groups, why is my angelfish turning really aggressive? Well, if you're keeping an angelfish in a 10-gallon tank or a 20-gallon tank, they are going to turn aggressive. Most of the reasons that angelfish get really aggressive is territory issues. They feel they don't have enough territory to establish dominance in an aquarium. So that is one of the reasons why I feel angelfish should be kept in at least a 55-gallon aquarium, minimum. Um, I think you can keep them anywhere from a 72-gallon bullfront, 75-gallon, 120-gallon, even a 220. Matter of fact, I think a 120 is a perfect tank for angelfish because it's nice and wide and it's nice and tall. Angelfish love the width and they love the tallness of a large aquarium like a 120-gallon aquarium. Now, the bigger the aquarium the more chances you have that your angelfish is going to be less aggressive. Now, I've never, ever had an aggressive angelfish, only during breeding, and that is typical with any cichlid. But I've seen a lot of posts on Facebook today with people saying that their angelfish is aggressive, and when they posted their tank size, I saw someone say a 30-gallon tank, and then I saw someone say a 40-gallon breeder. What instantly struck my mind was tank size. I said... Maybe the aggression is from tank size, um, because, like I said, angelfish do require a large aquarium. Now, I have done several shows on angelfish right here on the aquatic wetline, and I'm definitely not going to talk about care for angelfish again, unless you guys really wanted me to. Um, I'm actually thinking about creating an Angelfish Keepers Hour here on the Aquatic Wetline. I've done plenty of Oscar Cichlid Keepers Hour, so why not do one for another cichlid that I love, the Angelfish uh, Keepers Hour. I love Angelfish. I know there's a lot of people out there that love the Angelfish, like my good friend um, William T. and my good friend Jeff. 
they love their angelfish as well. Okay, so I will um, do a series on that at some point. Now, one thing that I would like to address that I know I've addressed before on the aquatic wetline, but I personally think that angelfish can be kept with discus. My good friend Andrew Sinsky also thinks that angelfish can be kept with discus. His theory is that you need a really large aquarium to have angelfish with discus, and I have to agree with him. If you have a 75-gallon aquarium or bigger, you can have angelfish with discus without any problems. All right. Now, angelfish are actually found in the wild, living right next to discus. And I have to agree with the assumption that some beautiful tank-raised discus and tank-raised angelfish look amazing together. I personally think that angelfish complement the discus coloration nicely. So I am under the belief that angelfish can, in fact, live with discus. Now, I want to put uh, angelfish with baby discus because, like I said, angelfish may be territorial towards them. I don't only add angelfish with larger discus, but, yes, I think that um, angelfish can, in fact, live with discus. Now, another thing I want to talk about, I know a lot of people are probably saying this guy's an ass talking about me, but angelfish can live with Oscars. I am tired of people making Oscars out to be ferocious killers. It's not true. Oscars are not killers. I am personally keeping one adult-sized angelfish with my teenage Oscars right now. And guess what, folks? Nor the angelfish or the Oscars bother each other. Matter of fact, they are getting along splendidly. So I personally think a large angelfish would do fine with Oscars. Yes, I do. That is my personal opinion. But I have enough facts to back that up. Because in the wild, angelfish and Oscars live in the same waters. They may see each other in the wild. As a matter of fact, both are cichlids. Both can be territorial and semi-aggressive. Sure, I can see that an Oscar can take down an angelfish, but generally as an Oscar matures, they lose that aggressive behavior and they start to mellow out. I personally would not recommend keeping angelfish with juvenile Oscars because juvenile Oscars are more aggressive than their uh, teenage Oscars and the adult Oscars. As Oscars get older, they mellow out and become peaceful. So I personally think that um, you can have angelfish and Oscars together. So I'm going to ask you, what is your thoughts on that? Do you think that we can successfully have angelfish and Oscars together in an aquarium? Call in right now and let me know. 1-347-989-8142. Or if you're listening live, you can call in. Or if you're listening archive, you can tweet me at AliceCardinelli1 on Twitter or email me at, or excuse me, email me, AliceCardinelli93 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your opinions on that. So, fish keepers, what do you think of 
Angelfish and Oscars together in the same tank. What are your thoughts on that? So let me know, guys. I'd be interested in hearing your responses on that. Me personally, I think it can be done if you have a big tank. I would not do it if you had a 55-gallon aquarium. I would not do it if you had a 75-gallon aquarium. I would only do it if you had a 120-gallon and up. All right? So is there anything else I should talk about for angelfish? I mentioned the point that autumn angels are rare and that they are my uh, personal favorite fish. I guess I will mention that angelfish aren't really the expensive, or they're not really expensive. Depending on your area, they may be more expensive than my area, but up here I can get an angelfish for anywhere from 5 to $15. Sometimes with the cooler, more rarer captive bred kinds like the half black angels, the koi angels, and the yaltam angels, I'll pay anywhere for $30 for them, but they're not really expensive. For example, I bought a beautiful marble koi angelfish at my favorite fish store, School of Fish, Inc., for only $20. This is an adult angel, by the way. So can you imagine that? $20 for an adult angel, a nice male angelfish with a nice liquid hump and a beautiful orange coloration. Yes, that's true. I only paid 20 freaking dollars. How awesome is that, friends? I think that's wonderful. All right, so I think I pretty much talked all about angelfish that I uh, want to talk about. So if you have any questions for angels, please call in 1-347-989-8142. Or you can um, actually email me if you're listening to the archive with any questions on uh, angelfish. All right, so the next fish that I would like to talk about is the firemouth cichlid. Now, I loved the firemouth cichlid as a kid. Why? I don't know. Now, when I see a firemouth, I see really aggressive cichlid. I don't want one of these friggin' cichlids in my aquarium. But as a kid, they were a favorite fish of mine. And one of those reasons I think they were a favorite fish of mine is because of the ease of care firemouth bring. Firemouths are very easy to keep. They're actually one of the best cichlids I would personally recommend a beginner to keep. Yes, that's right. I would personally recommend a beginner to keep a firemouth because they're very easy to take care of and they're, they're not sensitive whatsoever. A firemouth can live in almost anything. Now, I actually think they are a very beautiful cichlid. They got some beautiful orange coloration on their gills. They're very stunning, but I something for something about them draws me away from them now. I actually don't want them. Um, I actually gave my fire mouse to my dad. My dad loves fire mouse, so he's taking great care of them now. But I there's something about them that I don't like anymore. But I still have respect for them. I just will never keep fire mouse cichlids again. And no offense to anyone out there that has firemouth cichlids. They are beautiful fish, and I like the firemouth cichlid. Now, firemouth cichlids do not get huge. They only get to be about 5 to maybe 8 inches in length, depending on how uh, well they are taken care of. But they'll get anywhere from 5 to 8 inches, and a firemouth cichlid could live very well 
in a 55-gallon aquarium for life. I think a fire moth would do fine in a 55-gallon aquarium. And if you're looking for a Central American cichlid to put in with your Oscar or your chocolate cichlid or any South American cichlid, a fire mouse cichlid is the answer for you, okay? Um, the fire mouse is a great, great fish to house with your Oscars and South American cichlids. Now, moving on down to my next and final Central American cichlid for today's show, and that is the Convict cichlid. Now, again, I loved the Convict cichlid as a kid, and now when I see a Convict, I think, damn, the rabbits of the fishkeeping hobby, because the Convict cichlid will breed like rabbits, and I personally think that besides the live bearers, convicts are the best fish for beginners if the beginner is looking to breed something, um, because convicts will breed constantly, and they will not stop breeding. You can do anything you want to try and get them to stop breeding, but they're going to constantly breed. That's right. You can't get them to stop. They're always going to breed, and it's going to drive you nuts. It drives me nuts. That's why I don't keep convicts. As a kid, I kept two or three or four in an aquarium, and they'd always breed on me. So that's why I personally don't have convicts anymore. I actually think they're kind of ugly as well. All right. I think the convict cichlids are kind of ugly, and they offer nothing for coloration. Well, that's not true. The female convicts are very nice, so I was wrong for saying that. The female convict cichlids are very, very nice. They have some, oops, they have some uh, very nice color. All right, I actually like the female convicts, but overall, I don't like convict cichlids anymore. Um, they are a very good cichlid for beginners to keep. And I think convicts are very, very nice if you are interested in keeping convicts. I don't think I have anything else to talk about for fire mouse or convicts. So if you have any questions on fire mouse or convicts, please go ahead and call in at 1-347-989-8142. That's one three four seven. 989-8142, and discuss your thoughts on fire mouths or convicts. All right, so I'll do one more fish, and then I will jump into my next topic. And now I am going to talk about a fish that I like, and I actually mentioned the other variety of this pleco earlier in the show, before I kick-started the show with the Blue Phantom Pleco. All right now, I'm going to talk about the L200 Green Phantom Pleco. So I'm not going to talk too long about the Green Phantom Pleco because their care is very similar to the Blue Phantom Pleco. All right, so here we go. What I like about the L200 Green Phantom Pleco I like their color. The green phantom pleco has a nice light green to dark green coloration with some nice yellow spots. Yes, that's right. The green phantom pleco is dark green in coloration 
with some nice yellow spots on it. It's a very beautiful Pleco, and you are guaranteed to like this Pleco. The next thing I like about the Green Phantom Pleco is the size that they reach. Green Phantom Plecos get a little bit bigger than the Blue Phantom Pleco, and the Green Phantom Pleco will grow anywhere from 6 inches to about 9 inches. And they are very easy to care for. The blue phantom pleco is a very hardy species of pleco, and they are very nice looking. You are going to love your blue phantom pleco and your green phantom pleco. I think they're almost similar. I don't know why they're different species, but I think they're very similar to each other. They're both phantom pleco. But I actually do like the Green Phantom Pleco, and whenever I see one again, I will buy one. I hope that my local fish stores are listening tonight, and I hope that they bring in a Green Phantom Pleco because I want one. That way I'll have both a Blue Phantom well, actually I have two Blue Phantom Plecos, but that way I'll have uh, both Blue Phantom Pleco and Green Phantom Pleco. Now the, blue, uh, now, the green phantom pleco is very easy to care for. They are actually the recommended pleco of choice for newbies entering into the fancy pleco world. People say that the best pleco for newbies entering into the fancy pleco world is the green phantom pleco. I mean, all you really need to do for the green phantom pleco is provide a steady diet, and green phantom plecos are carnivorous, so they will want both meat and vegetables, and they will eat pellets, they'll eat bloodworms, they'll eat market shrimp, they'll eat uh, cucumbers, zucchini, etc. And you have to keep them in a neutral pH of 6.8, 7.2, and keep their ammonia at zero, and provide driftwood. So, green phantom plecos are very, very hardy and are one of the best plecos to keep. Now, what I recommend you guys getting green phantom plecos, well, if you're looking to add a nice dark green coloration to your tank, hell yes. I recommend you guys keeping the green phantom plecos. Can beginners keep the green phantom plecos? Yes. I personally believe beginners can keep green phantom plecos. They're not difficult to keep whatsoever. I think that the green phantom plecos can be kept um, by beginners. Okay? I am under that belief that the green phantom plecos can be kept by beginners. Alright. So let's move back to some topics that I want to talk about. Now, um, I love seeing driftwood in an aquarium. Now, if you are going to be keeping plecos, like the blue phantom pleco, the green phantom pleco, the bushy nose pleco, or the gold nugget pleco, I think driftwood is necessary. So I want to tell you my thoughts on driftwood right now. Anytime I see driftwood in an aquarium, I think the tank looks stunning. I love adding driftwood to an aquarium because driftwood is a very nice piece of art in a freshwater aquarium. I compare having driftwood in an aquarium to having coral in a saltwater aquarium. That's how much I love having driftwood in an aquarium. All right, I think of driftwood as the freshwater equivalent to saltwater live rock and saltwater coral. Driftwood adds a lot of nice color to a freshwater aquarium, and driftwood has a lot of added benefits to your tank 
that's right. You may believe it or not, but driftwood ha- adds a lot of benefits to your aquarium. Now, if you're aiming for a saltwater, or excuse me, saltwater, what an idiot. If you're aiming for a South American system, then driftwood is your best friend because a lot of South American tanks have a lot of driftwood in them. So I definitely love driftwood. Now, uh, my favorite kind of driftwood is the Malaysian driftwood. I love Malaysian driftwood because it's the only driftwood that I've ever used. I have never um, got any other kind of driftwood. And the reason that I've tried Malaysian driftwood is because it's the cheapest at my local fish store. <laughs> I'm a poor fish keeper, so I have to use the Malaysian driftwood. But it's great. I've never had any issues with the Malaysian driftwood. Now, one word of advice I will give you fish keepers. Do not, I repeat, do not go into Petco and PetSmart and buy grapewood for your aquarium. Why? Because grapewood is not for fish keeping use. All right? It is for reptiles and other animals. If you put grapewood in your aquarium, it's going to release all of those chemicals in your aquarium, and it will harm your fish. You cannot use grapewood driftwood for fish. Those are for reptiles and mammals and things of that nature. Now, my friend learned that the hard way. He used grapewood in his aquarium, and it killed all his fish. So don't make that mistake. Go to your fish store and buy driftwood. That's the safest way. You'll know that driftwood is safe for your aquarium. I promise you. Sure, you're going to pay a lot of money for driftwood in your um, fish store, but it's the safest way. Now, my good friend Andrew has a good point about grapewood. It's going to mold up in the aquarium, and that's going to release harmful chemicals that will eventually kill your fish. And I believe that is what killed my friend's fish, his added use of um, grapewood. I believe he bought grapewood because it was on sale at Peco for, like, um, I don't know, maybe it was uh, $14, I think, um, compared to the fish store up here. Driftwood's like $20. So he really only saved $6. I mean, I don't, I don't care for that much of a price difference. But please, listeners, don't use grapewood in your aquarium. Now, driftwood is great for angelfish and discus tanks because in the wild, angelfish and discus are often seen hiding in driftwood. And believe it or not, driftwood is great in Oscar cichlid tanks too. Oscars like to sulk near driftwood. And like I said earlier, driftwood, driftwood is required in pleco tanks, whether it's a common pleco or a gibby pleco or a fancy pleco like I mentioned earlier in the show. And that might be um, a green phantom pleco or a blue phantom pleco or any other pleco. Um, it does great. So that's my thoughts on driftwood for tonight. I thought that it had an interesting topic to tonight's show. I will do a whole entire show on the different kinds of driftwood you can use in your aquarium. 
That'll probably be done in a couple of weeks here on the aquatic foot lines because I have to research that um, because I'm kind of new to driftwood. I've had driftwood in my tanks before, but I've never studied them. I just went out to the fish store and bought them, but now I am studying them because I'm thinking about adding some driftwood to my aquarium. And like I said, I think that driftwood looks nice in a nice aquarium. Okay? All right. So go ahead and um, call in and share your thoughts on driftwood. One, three, four, seven, nine, eight, nine, eight, one, four, two. The next topic I want to discuss before I get back into my favorite fish is thoughts on aquarium biotopes. Now, there is one man famous for really liking aquarium biotopes, and that is my good friend, a good friend, experienced fish keeper. He's really knowledgeable when it comes to fish and artist. Mr. Sam Garcia, Jr. He loves aquarium biotope. You know what I do, too. Now, what is a biotope? Well, a biotope is when you replicate a part of, let's say, the Amazon River or the African rivers or any river in the uh, world. You are replicating that in an aquarium hobby. That means you have to keep fish and aquatic animals that live in that part of the world. So, for example, if I was aiming for a South American biotope, I would narrow it down to what kind of South American fish. Do I want to have a South American community tank with little fish? Do I want to have a South American tank with the large South American cichlids? So, for example, if I was going with a South American community tank, I'd have angelfish, discus, corridoris, Romanos tetras, neon tetras, and um, some other tetras. That would be a specific, that would be um, the Amazon River as a whole. Some people will narrow it down to a certain river of the Amazon. But that is extremely hard because then you have to research that river and every single species of fish that lives in that river. So if I were to do a biotope, I would personally just do the Amazon River as a whole. That is a community version of a South American uh, community biotope. Now, this is my personal favorite biotope, the South American uh, cichlid biotope. You You would include things like or you could include things like Oscar, Severums, Walru, Geophagus, Chocolate Cichlids, Festivums, and all the other larger growing South American cichlids. Plus, you can have any of the silver dollar species from the Mentinus, Mylius, Mylosoma, and the fish we're going to discuss later on, Semaproshelotus, is great for a large South American community. And also, you're able to have um, a wide variety of South American catfish, like the armored plecos and the Asidorus nitrus and stuff. So basically, a biotope is creating a river system in your own aquarium. The rule about biotopes is you cannot mix species from all over the world. You cannot add South American fish with African fish or Asian fish. It has to specifically be a South American tank. 
Now, I've tried many times before just to do a South American tank, but I failed miserably because I have to have clown loaches or I have to have a Zodontis catfish or anything of that nature. So the number one rule with biotope aquariums is you have to keep it a biotope and not add anything that does not, does not come from that specific area. But um, it's your tank, so a lot of fish keepers don't go with the biotope route because they don't want to follow that rule. But it's your tank, so you can do whatever you want. But my thoughts on biotopes is that they are very, very cool. I definitely like biotopes, and I'm going to one day conquer having a biotope. I don't care how bad I want a sedantist or a clonloches. I will eventually conquer a South American biotope. All right, well, I've been speaking for one hour and eight minutes straight. I think it's time for a commercial break so I can rest my voice for a few minutes. Today's show is able to broadcast for two hours thanks to our gracious sponsors. So today's show is being brought to you by Hakari Sales USA, School of Fish, Inc., Cheesecake by Design, and Dakota Networks, Paranormal Hour, plus TAC Food Review. And today's commercial break, I'm also going to be introducing a brand new um, commercial break that I'll play for each show because he will be playing my commercial on his show, so I'm going to return the favor tonight. So enjoy the commercial break, and we'll be right back here on today's episode of Tropical Fish Tuesday, Freshwater Mania. Coming up next, I'll be discussing the flagtail Procher Lotus and the Geophagus Europara, plus I'll be answering Aquion's questions. Aquion could not make it as a guest tonight because they're so busy, but they took the time to answer my questions, and I will answer them coming up next here on the Aquatic Wetline. So stick around. Get your phones ready. one 347 if you wish to talk about your share of fish or if you wish to call in and ask questions. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Hikari offers a wide selection of aquatic diets to help you and your fishy friend find success. With more than 137 years of aquatic experience, Hikari was the originator of species-specific diets long before others thought it was important or trendy, and the first to bring unique products to fish keepers like algae wafers, the world's first diet specifically formulated for Picosinus, micropellets, the world's first micro-coated aquatic diet for tropical fish, Saki Hikari, the world's first probiotic-enhanced diet for koi, goldfish, cichlid, and now turtles, and Biopure, the world's cleanest and most nutrition-packed frozen and freeze-dried foods, industry trendsetters when they were first introduced. When you're looking for the best aquatic diets your hard-earned money can buy for your aquatic pets, look no further than Hikari. Your fish and your wallet will be forever grateful. School of Fish, Inc. offers everything an aquarium hobbyist in western Massachusetts needs. We offer the best alive stock from freshwater to saltwater and everything in between. We also have the best corals and live rock. 
School of Fish, Inc. carries the best brands of fish food, medications, and equipment such as Hikari, Tetra, Marineland, API, and much more. Stop by and check us out today, School of Fish, Inc., located at 1865 Page Boulevard, Springfield, Massachusetts, and we can be reached at 413-543-1994. We're open Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays, closed Tuesdays. Check out School of Fish, Inc. That's School of Fish, I-N-C, on Facebook for exclusive deals, specials, and see what's new. Are you looking for something creamy, moist, and decadent in your life? Do you have a sweet tooth? Well, cheesecakes are the answer for you. Cheesecake by Design offers you a wide variety of cheesecakes and some wonderful flavors. At Cheesecake by Design, you will find a flavor just for you. Whatever it be. A red velvet cheesecake. A strawberry cheesecake. Or a cookies and cream cheesecake. We have tons of flavors to fit your needs. We ship fresh cheesecakes all over the United States straight to your door. So next time you're hosting a party, a family get-together, or a cookout, and you need dessert, order a delicious, moist, creamy cheesecake from Cheesecake by Design. Our cheesecakes are always homemade and made with the freshest possible ingredients. Check out our website and call 336-525-5120 with any questions or to place an order. Are you interested in the paranormal? Do you find it interesting when people tell ghost stories or tell you stories about things that have happened to them that they cannot explain? Then, if you are, join me, Andrew J., on the Dakota Network as I interview paranormal investigators, cryptozoologists, and everything paranormal. You won't be disappointed, so please feel free to come over to the Dakota Network. That's Dakota Network on Blog Talk Radio. And listen to me live as I interview these interesting people. I will have paranormal investigators on there that are going to share EVPs. They're going to talk about some of their more interesting stories they have. So please, come over and check me out. You won't be disappointed. And thank you for your time.
Do you like fast food? Do you like going to restaurants? Well then, check out AC Food Reviews. Alex Cardinelli is going to bring to you some awesome food reviews on the AC Food Review channel on YouTube. Alex will have some phenomenal reviews from McDonald's, Burger King, Taco Bell, Dunkin' Donuts, and much more. All of your favorite fast food places will be reviewed on the AC Food Review. Plus, Alex will dive into the local restaurants and give you some spectacular food reviews. So if you love food, check out AC Food Reviews on YouTube right now. That's AC Food Reviews. Make sure you subscribe to get all of our latest and awesome food reviews. You are listening live to the Aquatic Wetline Radio Show, hosted by a fish keeper for fish keepers. What's swimming in the tank today? What tropical fish are we talking about today? Let's dive into the fish tank and find out. Feel free to call in at 347-989-8142 with any questions or comments about tropical fish or the topic for today. We'll see you right now here on the Aquatic Wetline. Enjoy the show. Live to the aquatic wetline. Don't be a scared little guppy and call in at 1 347 989 8142 for all your fish keeping needs. Okay, we're back here live on the aquatic wetline in our second episode of Tropical Fish Tuesday, Freshwater Mania. I hope you guys are enjoying the show. Thus far, it's been a great show. Now, before commercial break, I was discussing. Some of my personal favorite fish, like the blue phantom pleco, the green phantom pleco, the angelfish, the firemouth, the convicts. And I also had some wonderful topics, like my thoughts on planted tanks, my thoughts on driftwood, and my thoughts on aquarium biotopes. So now we have some interesting topics coming up. I will be talking about my last two favorite fish, and then I will answer the questions that I asked Aquion and give you the answers so that you can learn more about Aquion. Don't forget, you can call in live at 1-347-989-8142 if you're listening live or if you're listening to the archive version of today's episode, you can tweet me at Alice Cardinelli one on Twitter or email me Alice Cardinelli ninety three at gmail dot com with any tropical fish questions that you might have. All right, let's get back to our wonderful topic for tonight. So now I'll get back into talking about my personal favorite fish. And I'll talk about the Geophagus Jurapara right now. Now, I've always been a fan of geophagus. Geophagus is a whole genre of of cichlids. There's a lot of geophagus out there. And they're known as earth eaters because they will sift through the substrate. But my number one favorite geophagus is the Jurapara. 
And did you guys know that my personal favorite species of Jurapara is not a Jurapara. It's actually a Santipacara leucusta. I guess is how you pronounce it. And if I mispronounce that scientific name, you guys can go ahead and uh, laugh at me. But my personal favorite Jurapara is Santipacara leucusta. And that's a beautiful Geopara that's got some beautiful gold speckles across the face and towards the mouth area. It's got some beautiful gold spots, and it's got some dark blue spots on its face as well. Now, I have kept several Santipacara leucusta, a.k.a. Geophagus Geoparas, before, and I personally think they're one of the best South American cichlids out there, they are not aggressive at all, and I think they can live with angelfish. Now, could a geophagus Geopara live with discus? I don't know. I don't know if they could or not. Um, I would be one that would try it because they're not aggressive. I've never seen an aggressive geophagus Geopara before. Um, I think it could work if you had a big enough tank. I definitely would say you would need uh, at least a 120 or bigger. Um, It could possibly work out for you. But you never know if a Geophagus Europara could work in a discus tank. Now, the Geophagus Europaras can eat anything. They basically leave from the bottom, so you've got to make sure that you have sinking sinking foods for your Geophagus Europara. I would definitely not recommend putting these guys with aggressive fish like red devils, like Pyrochromus dovi, or Pyrochromus maniguent, or any of the aggressive cichlids out there because they'll get their asses torn and they'll get their asses handed to them. So recommended tank mates for the Geophagus Europara would be silver dollars, would be angelfish, would be severums, would be walru, would be chocolate cichlids, would be tinfoil barbs and um, peaceful, larger to medium-sized, and tank mates. They'll do fine with community fish, but keep in mind that a geophagus Europara will eat smaller fish if given the opportunity. So you definitely don't want to put these things in with frumminose tetras or smaller tetras or live bearers besides mollies because they'll be eaten. But Geophagus Europara can live with mollies because mollies get pretty big, three or four inches, and a Geropara would have a hard time swallowing that. But a Geropara would not have a hard time swallowing a half-inch to one-inch tetra. Now, a Geophagus Europara would probably get anywhere from 8 to 12 inches. But 12 inches is pushing it. I have never seen a foot-long Jurapara before, okay? They do get pretty big, all right? Now, they're going to require a big tank, at least a 120, but they are very cool to keep. And the Jurapara, like a discus and like the angels and like the severums and festivums, can be kept in a school. I actually think a school of Jurapara looks very stunning and very nice. So if you've got a 125 or a big six-foot aquarium and you want a geophagus Jurapara, I'd recommend getting a huge school of them. All right? It is really worth it. It's really stunning. Okay? And, again, they are sand sifters. So the best choice of substrate for a geophagus is a real fine sand. 
they will hurt their mouths on gravel. I don't recommend using gravel for geophagus because they're going to get hurt. Um, if you are stubborn and you must have gravel in your geophagus tank, I personally recommend a really fine, small, dense gravel. But sand is the option for you. You can also use um, bare bottom. It's fine for geophagus as well. But I want them to feel in their natural environment, and I'll use sand for Geophagus Shurapara. So I think I pretty much talked about everything for Geophagus Shurapara. If there are any more questions, I'll be glad to answer the questions on Geophagus Shurapara. All right, the last fish that I'm going to talk about tonight is the flagtail Prochilotus. Now, I love this fish. The flagtail Prochilotus is a large algae-eating and vegetarian cherisin that hails from South America. It is under the scientific name of Semiprochilotus, and in the United States of America, there are two common varieties of flagtail Prochilotus, and that is Semiprochilotus tenaris and Semiprochilotus insignis. And I actually love the flagtail Prochilotus so much that next week or a couple of weeks from now, I will do an entire show on flagtail Prochilotus. Now, the flagtail Prochilotus does get pretty big. It will grow anywhere from 12 inches to about 18 inches in length and sometimes even bigger. But the good news is that flagtail Prochilotus are very slow growers. That's right, they don't grow quick. So you get away growing them out in a small tank and then eventually moving them up into a bigger tank. Now the flagtail Prochilotus is a very aggressive tetra. It's one of those tetras that can be kept singly without any fear of them being uncomfortable and stuff. In the aquarium hobby, believe it or not, it is best to keep a flagtail Prochilotus alone unless you have a very big tank. I've had success keeping three or four in a 125-gallon aquarium before, and it worked out for whatever reason, but maybe it was because I bought all three together the same day. So if you were interested in keeping more than one together, I'd recommend doing what I did and buy them all the same day and acclimate them to the tank the same day. So that way they don't they don't uh, determine a territory and one dominates the other two or the other three or the other four and they work together as a school. My three actually schooled together, but when I added two more, guess what? All three of them dominated the other two and uh, killed them. So I guess all three of them partner, partnered up, like the Shield and Wrestling. They didn't want any more flag kills in the tank, but they got along with each other. So that is kind of weird, isn't it? But I was lucky to have three of them. And by the way, in today's slideshow, the three flag tails that you see sucking the algae on the rock are my personal flag tails. Yes, that's right. Those are my personal flag tails, and um, they're my babies. I grew them to about 10 inches in length in the 125. But in a massive snowstorm way back in 2011, they died. And I was devastated because back in 2011, I loved flagtail Prochilotus so much that I had to have them. And I was sad. 
And my luck, of course, the fish doors did not bring him in the rest of 2011. So I had to wait until 2012 to get another one. And I definitely love the Flagtail Crusher Lotus. But I will be getting one for my tank right now whenever they come in season again. I definitely want a Flagtail Crusher Lotus. And I'll mention my tank in a couple minutes here on the aquatic wetline. Now let's talk about feeding the Flagtail Crusher Lotus. These are strictly vegetarian, and they are actually an algae-eating cherusin. So you're going to want a good amount of algae in your aquarium for these. You can actually go out and buy algae from some of your fish stores. I know my good friend Ed Picard at Fish Frenzy, he's got algae for sale sometimes. I know when I bought a flagtail from him, he sold me some algae, which is pretty interesting. I'm not sure how he does it, but he has algae some way or another that you can buy. Um, the best way to do it is to make algae yourself by having an increase of lighting in your aquarium and your flagtail will eat that algae. But I notice with flagtails, as they mature, that taste for algae goes away, just like um, plecos. So you're going to want to feed your flagtail pressure lotus juveniles and adults some good quality vegetarian flakes. Now, Omega-1 has the best vegetarian flakes in my personal opinion, and when I have flagtails, I feed them omega-1 vegetarian flakes. They love it. They go crazy for that. It's like cocaine to them. And you can feed them fresh lettuce. My flagtails love lettuce. They will pick at cucumbers and things of that nature. All right? Now, tank mates for the flagtail pressure lotus is up to you. They can live in a community aquarium with neon tetras, rummy nose tetras, and things of that nature. Or they can go in with angelfish and discus. My friend in China has a 300-gallon um, tank that has, um, what do you call that in it? It has angelfish, discus, a couple of walrus, and flagtail crusher lotus in it, and they do well together. And they can live with basically anything from South America. They're not aggressive, and they will do fine. However, they are um, opportunists. They will suck the slime coats of fishes like bikers and things and stingrays. So always be, keep an eye on that. Um, I've never had an issue with that, but I've heard a few people who've had an issue with flagtail sucking the slime coat of some fish. What I like about the flagtail pressure lotus is their color. They've got some beautiful coloration for a nice fish. The flagtails have wonderful coloration, in my personal opinion. I definitely like their coloration. they got a beautiful flagtail, hence the name flagtail pressure lotus. So if you have never, ever heard about flagtail pressure lotus, I definitely recommend researching that fish on Google and learning all about them because you may want one for your tank. So hopefully my good friend Andy will uh, get a flagtail for his discus tank. I'm only kidding. <laughs> but flagtails are an awesome fish. I definitely love flagtail pressure lotus. All right, so those are all of my favorite fish that I'm going to discuss on this week's episode of Tropical Fish Tuesday, Freshwater Mania. So my hope is that you guys learned a lot about all of the fish that I mentioned tonight. 
on tonight's episode of the Aquatic Wetline. One last topic that I will mention um, before I go into my final topic tonight and answer the Aquion questions is the fish that I want to get. Right now, currently, I am rehoming a lot of my fish, and as Andy knows, my 120-gallon aquarium is really stocked right now. And I'm actually selling uh, like half of my stock right now. I'm reducing my stock to half. Matter of fact, the only things that I'm keeping right now, or I plan on keeping, is my two Oscars, my three Red Oak Silver Dollars, my Black Bar Silver Dollars, one of my Severums, and my chocolate. And everything else will be rehomed. And I will be adding um, my beautiful Lima Chavanos that I get when the fish store gets them in. And the last fish that I want to add is a flagshell Prochelotus, and I need a catfish. Um, I actually bought or I actually rescued a Philodontus eruptus catfish that is blind in both eyes because whoever had them before me actually um, had bad ammonia and it poisoned their eyes and made them blind. So you can't really see. So um, he's going to be going to a friend that will be taking care of him for me. But I want a four-line pictus. I want a Pimodella blotchi in my aquarium. So the three fish I want are a flagtail Pachelotus, a four-line Pimodella, and a Lima Chavanel's catfish. Now I'll round out my 120, I think. Unless I find a nice black ghost knife, maybe I'll get one of them too. But I really don't need one of those in, in my aquarium. So what are some fish that you, the listeners, want to get? Go ahead and call in one three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two and uh go ahead and tell me that or tweet me at Alice Cardinelli one on Twitter or send your answers to Alex Cardinelli ninety three at gmail dot com and I'll be honored to uh answer your or I'd be honored to see what fish you want to get. Alright, here we go. The last thing I'll talk about tonight is the Aquion questions. Now I'm kind of saddened that I didn't have the opportunity to interview somebody from Aquion. They turned me down for an interview because at this time they are too busy to come on a radio show. So hopefully in the future I will get somebody from Aquion because, as you guys know, Aquion is one of my favorite brands. I love the Aquion Quiet Flow filter. And hopefully I don't get in, hopefully I won't get in trouble with another one of my sponsors for promoting Aquion, but I really don't give a damn. Um, Aquion is a product that I definitely like. I love their filters, I love their heaters, and I love everything about Aquion. So, in one sense, I'm happy that they actually answered my questions for me to give you the answers right here on the Aquatic Wetline. So, if you don't know. About Aquion, well, you're going to find out about Aquion right now. And if you know about Aquion, but you don't know, you don't know too much about Aquion, you're going to find out some more information about Aquion as well. Okay? So here we go. I'll read my questions that I asked them, and then I'll read the answers to you that they gave me. So my first question that I asked Aquion is a basic question, and it was, what is Aquion? What does Aquion stand for, and when did it begin? And the answer is, Aquion is the brand name for aquatic branded products 
The brand was established in 2006. My second question to them was, what kinds of products does Aquion provide? Aquion makes a wide range of products, such as aquariums, aquarium, quit, aquarium kits, aquarium furniture, lighting, filtration, aquarium heaters, aquarium equipment, fish food, water care, and decor. How does Aquion differ from some of the other aquarium equipment company products? The details set Aquion apart from the competition. Some examples are Quiet Flow filters, Self Prime. All of our flake foods and most extruded foods are made in the United States of America, and our LED lighting comes in static designs such as the recently launched OptiBright, as well as interchangeable, which would be the modular LED fixtures. We offer products that enable easy entry into the aquatic hobby by producing user-focused and economical solutions. Great answer, Aquion. Now, the next question is one that I loved. What makes the Aquion Quiet Flow hang on the back filters one of the best on the market, and this answer I really love. This answer is very true. The Aquion Quiet Flow filters offer something that not, that not all other filters do, and that is the ability to self-prime. Should the power go out in your house or your office, the filters will get themselves started again when the power returns. Additionally, an independent lab testing concluded that Aquion Quiet Flow filters have larger media areas and flow rates versus others. And that is very true. And the Aquion Quiet Flow filter is my personal favorite hang on the back filter of all time. My next question was about Aquion Fish Foods. I asked them, when did you start selling it and what does it offer to fish? And Aquion responded, in 2006, Aquion Fish Food brand was established. The foods are made of natural ingredients with added vitamins and added minerals. All of our flake foods and most of the extract, or excuse me, most of the extruded foods are made in the United States of America. So that's very cool. The next question I asked was about Aquion fish tanks. How did all glass aquariums turn into Aquion? Do, there, do the Aquion fish tanks come with lifetime warranties? If so, can you explain how that works? So first, they answered with the all-glass aquariums. All-glass aquariums was purchased by Central Garden and Pet in the year 2000. In 2006, the Aquion brand was established and became the new brand name for all-glass aquariums. Now, regarding the warranties for lifetime warranties for Aquion tanks, the warranties vary by aquarium size. In general, 10 gallons or less offer a, a limited 90-day warranty. 15, 55-gallon aquariums offer a limited five-year warranty, and sizes larger than 55 have a limited lifetime warranty. More information can be attained by calling the Tech and Warranty Department at 
4527 Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. Okay, so that's 9 a.m. Eastern to 5 p.m. Eastern. All right, so again, 10 gallons or less, 90-day warranty, 15 to 55-gallon aquariums, 5-year warranty. And any tanks larger than 55, that would be your 55, 75, 90, 110, 120, 125, 150, 180, 220, products are found at numerous pet store locations. What the retailers choose to carry varies. Most major pet specialty and independent aquatic stores carry Aquion products. Petco and PetSmart and Pet Supplies Plus usually will stock Aquion products. The next question I asked was, do you attend any of the major aquarium events like Kakari does? Yes, Aquion has presence in most of the aquatic events, both trade shows and consumer shows throughout the year, which is very cool. My next question was, what do you like best about the aquarium hobby, Aquion? The beauty of fish is their best feature, and an aquarium is the visual focal point of the room. We enjoy watching them grow and act as well as the soothing sounds and calming feels the fish tank echoes and evokes. Next question I asked was, do you keep tropical fish, Aquion? And several employees of the company have fish tanks in their spaces at work, and some also have fish tanks at home. We believe in being users of the products that we sell. So in other words, all the employees have Aquion products on their personal fish tanks and their office fish tanks. And the last question that I have, does Aquion provide products for aquatic reptiles? Aquion aquariums, heating, and other products can be used for aquatic reptiles, such as aquatic turtles, salamanders, and axletees, or however you pronounce that. In addition, Aquion has a sister brand, Zilla, that is also part of Central Garden and Pet, which provides a line of reptile-specific products. The Zilla brand is where you can find foods, lighting, power centers, care, and other products made just for reptiles, aquatic, and otherwise. So I would like to thank Mrs. Pam Maurice for answering my questions for Aquion and being such a lovely lady to talk with about Aquion products. So thank you, Pam, for answering all of my questions about Aquion. If you guys have any further questions about Aquion, you are asked to contact Aquion by going to Aquion.com and asking them questions. And they are more than willing to 
answer your questions. All right. What a great show this has been tonight. What a phenomenal tropical fish show this was. Don't you guys tell? I love talking about tropical fish, and boy, this is really fun. I love doing an unscripted, uncensored tropical fish show. I hope you guys had fun tonight. I certainly had a lot of fun, and I definitely enjoyed the show. Before I end today's show, I want to tell you guys that next Tuesday, we're going to do our third episode of Tropical uh, Tropical Fish Tuesday, Freshwater Mania. And next Tuesday, I'm going to discuss some more of my personal favorite fish. Next Tuesday, I will discuss the following tropical fish. Chocolate cichlid, salvini, Oxidorus niger catfish, leoparnus, and for the first time ever on the aquatic wetline, I'll be talking about feeder fish and some of my personal favorite feeder fish. Well, I'm only kidding. I love the small fish, too. I love all fish. But next week, I'll be talking about the rummy-nosed tetra, orthocyclus catfish, clown loaches, green terrors, and much more. All right? So next week, I'll talk about chocolate cichlid, salvini, oxidorus niger, leoparnus, rummy-nosed tetra, orthocyclus catfish, clown loaches, green terrors, and more. And hopefully, next Tuesday, um, Fish Keeper Jeff, a.k.a. Slashmaster1989, will be back co-hosting the Aquatic Wetline. He is uh, busy at work today. But I appreciate Jeff as a wonderful co-host. So, I hope you guys learned a lot about tropical fish tonight. I hope you guys learned about the blue phantom pleco, the green phantom pleco, the angelfish, the firemouth, the conflict, the geofigature, para, the lima shell and the flagtail prochilotus. I hope you guys learned about driftwood, planted aquariums, biotopes, and learned about aquion tonight. I personally want to thank you for tuning in to tonight's show on the ACE Network. Don't forget to send some love to our sponsors for making this a premium show. Thank you, Akari Sales USA, for sponsoring the show. Thank you, School of Fish Inc., for sponsoring the show. Thank you, Cheesecakes by Design, for sponsoring the show. Thank you, Paranormal Hour on the Core Network, for sponsoring the show. Thank you, Euphoric Network, for sponsoring the show. And thank you, AC Food Reviews, for sponsoring today's show. Akari has the best fish food for those of you looking for some good quality fish food for your tropical fish. All right, have a great rest of your Tuesday, fish keepers, and thank you for tuning in to the Aquatic Wetline. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed today's show, please copy and paste today's show URL on your Facebook, Twitter, and Google Plus account so that I can get some much-needed exposure and get some more listeners. And if you listen to this video on YouTube, please share it around so I can get some more views. I appreciate you taking the time to do that. And I appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to my show. I know you guys have busy days, but by taking the time to listen to my show, whether it's five minutes of my show or the entire show, I am forever thankful because without you guys, the listeners, the show is nothing. All right. Thank you for listening to the Aquatic Wetline. I'm Aqua Alex Cardinelli, and I appreciate you listening to today's show. Have a great rest of your Tuesday evening, or a great rest of your evening, and thank you for listening to the show. Fish keepers rock, take on, and take great care of your fish. Good night, everyone.
Thank you for listening to the Aquatic Wetline here on Ace Network. Oscar Alex and his tank mates at the Aquatic Wetline hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget the Aquatic Wetline airs Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Standard Time, and every other Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, exclusively here on the Ace Network. Fish Keepers, if you enjoyed the show, please copy and paste the URL to your Facebook, Twitter, and Google+. Tank on, Fish Keepers, and Oscar Alex and the Aquatic Wetline swim away. The Aquatic Wetline is off the air. Good night, everybody. Today's podcast belongs to the Ace Network, Alice Cardelli Entertainment Network. It may not be reused, redistributed without permission from Alice Cardinelli himself. This podcast was recorded live from the Springfield, Massachusetts studio and Ace Network.